And he came down with them, speaking of Jesus, and stood on a level place with the crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all of Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him for power went out from him and healed them all. So Jesus is speaking to Jews who have gathered from Judea, Jerusalem, Tyre and Sidon, which is the seacoast area. So they've come from all around the surrounding areas to hear the Christ speak. And not everyone's necessarily convinced that he's the Christ yet, but one thing they do know, power is coming out from him to heal all those who are coming. It's, it's amazing. And he's teaching with an authority that they haven't seen. And so they're, they're gathering around, and, and there's speculation that, that he is the Messiah, um, you know, people, there are some that are, that are coming and saying, could this be the Messiah? And when we're talking about the Messiah, could this be the Savior? Could this be the chosen one that's going to come and deliver us from our enemies, that's going to set up the kingdom of heaven and cause Jerusalem, cause Israel to be once again the chosen place of God's presence, the esteemed uh, government of heaven on earth? And so they're looking for some very real and tangible things, many of them. So, they're, they're gathering for a lot of different immediate reasons, too. You know, they're, they're needing healing. They're needing breakthrough. They're needing purpose. They've been oppressed and overrun, as Jason did a, just an absolutely fantastic job uh, last week um, in his word. They're, they're, I've, I was so impressed that I just forgot what my point was that you made, that I was trying to give you honor for and now have lost. But it's written on my heart. <laughs> This is awesome. <laughs> They're gathering for these different reasons. The, the question that, that Jason asked us last week was, why, why are you here? You know, Jesus, why are you here? And, 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 and Jason so wonderfully said for himself, and I would agree, I would echo his sentiment, I'm here because, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. So the, the Jews are coming for many different reasons, but... But each of them are, are thinking, could this be the one? Could this Christ, could this be the Christ? Could this Jesus be the one? And, and as they're coming, what they're looking for, if he is the Messiah, is they're looking for the satisfaction of these very real, external, practical troubles and oppressions that are around them. You know, for 400 years, they've been defeated and oppressed by one kingdom after another after another. And they're waiting because they have the scripture, they have the words of God that says, at some point, your oppression will be overthrown and you will be free. And so, so they're looking and they're saying, is this the Christ? Is he the one that's going to come and, and deliver us from these things that we see all around us? Is he going to come and bring that freedom? So Jesus then begins to speak to them, and, and, and I want to start by saying this. As we're reading this scripture, I know that this is a very famous part of, of scripture we're about to read, which is the Beatitudes, and he's, this, is the, this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is, this is a big deal, and, but I want to start by, by qualifying where we're coming from. Je, who is Jesus speaking to? He's speaking to Jews who have, have come from Jerusalem, from Judea, from the surrounding areas. These are, these are followers of 
Yeshua, or not, I'm sorry, not, of uh, Yahweh. These are, these are the chosen people who are coming to hear firsthand from this Jesus about their current situation. And each of us have heard these words, many of us, or read these words, and we're applying them to our lives for today, as well we should. But we have, to, we have to take the context and remember that these words were first and foremost spoken to the Jews, the, the chosen people of God who are expecting the promises of God to come to fruition. And he's addressing their current situation. He's addressing a people who exist in time and space, who are surrounded by Rome. They're, 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 they're ruled by Rome. They're, they're wrecked. They're in a bad situation. They are looking for a, a political breakthrough. And then, as Jason pointed out, you have these different sort of main factions. There were others that were involved as well, but the, these main factions, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, and the Zealots, and they're all responding to their external um, situation in different ways. Some of them are saying, you know, go with the flow. How many of you know that there's those in our own Christian circles right now that are just like, hey, let's just go with the flow. And then you have the zealots. They're like, you know what? Let's, let's just kill our enemies. You know, let's literally go in and, and let's, just, let's just wreck them. They were kind of, you know, essentially a modern day terrorists. You know, it's like they'd come up and slit the throats of a, of a Roman soldier and run off. I mean, these guys were, they were, they were assassins, you know, um, that was, or that was a part of it. And then you had the Pharisees in this Sadducees, and they were doing various different things to try to control the externals around them so that they could, they could respond to their current situation. Are you guys tracking with me? So really, I mean, I think we can see ourselves in, in these, even just looking at four of these groups of people, and then there was all a mixture of all kinds of different people, but they're living in a very real time and place. Is that, are you, are you picturing this? And so Jesus is coming, and, and, and they're saying, okay, is this the Messiah? Is this the one that is actually going to come in here and, and overthrow Rome and bring us back to a place of peace? And so then Jesus begins to speak to them. So, so there's your backdrop, and this is his response to this group, to this mixture. And then he lifted his eyes up toward his disciples, and he said, blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, as you guys have been reading in the scriptures, we have a, some different angles in each gospel as they recount this. So to give you the full picture, Jesus went to a flat place as he's somewhere up on this mountainside, and he begins to address the disciples and the multitudes as they came to him. So one of them, this one here is saying towards his disciples, but as you read some of the other gospels, there were, there were his disciples as well as multitudes of, of these, these various group of people that have gathered. So he's addressing a whole cross-section of people. I want you to picture Jesus now, and he's, he lifts his eyes up towards them, and he says, blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. And blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. And blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. So he turns to the crowd and he begins to tell them that he sees them in their present situation and that the kingdom addresses their needs. He, so picture now, he, he's... I can just picture Jesus looking out, and, and Jesus is extremely prophetic, so he, he looks over and he says, and, he, and, I, and I just see him, you know, he reaches over and he looks at this person who is clearly poor, and he says, blessed are the poor. And, and he looks over here and he says, blessed are you who mourn, because you will be comforted, because the kingdom is at hand. 
See, he wasn't saying someday in the by and by. Now, we can extrapolate this. I, I don't want to go so far as to take away the prophetic nature of this word for us. But what I'm telling you is that Jesus was saying the kingdom of heaven, first and foremost, to this group of people, as he's preaching to these people, he's saying, blessed are you who mourn. The kingdom is here, and you will be comforted. And even, and even in that moment, they're with Christ. And what is he? He's the Prince of Peace. He's comforting them right now. He, begins to, he, begin, he goes on to say, blessed are you when people revile you and cast you out. Your name is evil, etc." So he starts speaking to their need. But what he's not speaking is of an immediate overthrow of the oppression that they're facing externally, but an overthrow of an internal oppression that they are enslaved by. This is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read another scripture. I'm going to read a little more and then I want to continue to expound this. He goes on to say, but woe to you who are rich, for you've received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you will hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, because you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Who do you think he's looking at right then? You got a group of people that are doing pretty stinking okay. And they're hanging out going, clearly the Lord is with me because I am prospering. See, the backdrop of this culture is that they're responding to both uh, to both things that God has actually said and then a mis- misapplication of his heart in those things. What do I mean by that? These are Jews who have grown up understanding an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. When, when Jesus gave the Abrahamic covenant, which these guys are saying, we're sons of Abraham, he said, listen, if you do the right thing, you'll be blessed. Everything you touch will be blessed. Your crops will be blessed. Your body will be blessed. Your wife will be blessed. Your kids will be blessed. Everything will be blessed. But I'm telling you what, if you turn away from me, everything is going to stink for you. The ground will be cursed. Your wife will be cursed. You won't have kids because your wife is cursed. There's no good things happening. In this culture, the Jews are looking at this and doing the math. You're blind. Do the math. What does that mean? If you misunderstand the heart of God, then that means God made you blind. Your parents must have sinned. You look at someone who's poor and you go, you're obviously a fool. Because the Torah, the scripture says that the wise always have oil and wine in their house. You see what I'm saying? So they're looking at these external things. And, it, and I, 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 wanna, I want us to just look at what they're dealing with. They're saying, okay, this is what we've known our whole life. And here Jesus shows up, and he's talking nonsense. I mean, this doesn't, can you imagine for the mind of these that have actually devoted their self to their understanding of these rules? Now, their heart may have been in the right place, but the conclusion they came to isn't that far from the conclusion I think we would come to. You, you see what I'm saying? So he turns to these guys that are justifying themselves based on their successes, and he says, but woe to you who are rich. Because you've received your consolation. And then he turns over and he says, and woe to you who are full. Because you're going to hunger. I'll, I'll, you know, spoiler alert, this whole area gets wiped out in a few years. And those that later received this kingdom, they received his prophetic word and they left before it got destroyed. But those who didn't receive this word because they weren't born again and they didn't receive it because they're like, that's a bunch of craziness. I'm going to stick with my old program. They were there and they were hungry. When Jerusalem was overrun, because there were people here from Jerusalem. So I don't think it's a stretch for me to say, I think Jesus was talking to some of these people in Jerusalem and saying, hey, woe to you who are rich. You've already received your consolation. 
Woe to you who are laughing right now and feeling like everything is okay. I'm telling you, you're rejecting me. And the kingdom, the way that you think it's going to look, it's not like that. So I'm telling you, you're going to cry. What it doesn't mean is that, that we're supposed to now take this scripture, I feel like this is just an important aside for many of us, and go that Jesus today is going, hey, woe to you who are rich, America. Do you have a car? Well, that's because there's 10 starving orphans in another nation. How dare you? No. <laughs> that math doesn't even add up. But many of us, I believe, have received this scripture. How many of you know the devil knows the scripture? Okay, many of us, he's good at misapplying it. I'm not going to take a lot of time on this aside, but for, for many of us, I think we've taken the Beatitudes and we've tried to apply it to this current situation without first honoring the context here. Jesus is talking to a very real people about how the, the kingdom is to be applied in their time. Do you, under, you understand what I'm saying? You guys are so quiet. Are we doing okay? I'm just getting nervous because I'm not. No. I'm, I mean, I'm okay now that you will not it. It, but are we making sense here? Because I want to move to the next point. All right, so, so these guys are understanding a kingdom that the external situation immediately can give you the indicator of whether or not someone is righteous or wicked, whether or not they deserve what they have. If you look at somebody and they're a leper, they're a leper because God must have cursed them. Okay, so Jesus shows up and says, he starts saying the opposite thing. So, so let me go on here. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. I'm just going to stop right there. These guys honestly would just be like, what? I mean, seriously, this, this is so countercultural what he's saying right here. We, we already have heard it, so we're like, well, yeah, love your enemies, we know about that. Everybody knows that. Well, no, they didn't. Everybody didn't know that. Because for thousands of years, the scripture said, you are to hate the wicked. Don't marry their daughters. Don't let them into your home. Do not intermingle. And if you really love me, you will kill my enemies. I know, dang. But God was the one that told them that. He said, listen, they have a choice. They can be saved. They can become a Jew. Prior to Christ, I'm telling you, this was the only way of salvation. If you wanted to be saved, you become a Jew. It was available for you, but only if you were going to become, essentially, an adopted Jew. These were the chosen people of God. God was pointing towards Christ in everything that he said. But what does the law say? Paul says, it's a teacher that brings us to who? Yeah, and Jesus is here now. So now Jesus is like, this is what the signpost was pointing towards. It was all pointing towards me. And, 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 and the conclusion that all of you, and this is interesting because here Jesus comes on the scene and he's like, hey, listen, here's the conclusion that you guys, if you really think about this, should all come to. This is all pointing towards something. And that something that it's pointing towards is me. And here's the great news. I'm here. Everything just changed. And he's speaking to them and going, Everything just changed. And they're just, they don't even, do you understand that these are committed people? So it wasn't like he was just coming in and being a jerk. He's coming in and saying, listen, that thing your heart's been crying out for, it's happening. But here's the deal. It's so much deeper than you think. It's such better news than what you think that it is. And so he starts by saying, <laughs> love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, 
offer the other also. This is a far cry from an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And from him who takes away your cloak, don't withhold your tunic either. Solomon said, if you get caught stealing, you have to pay back seven times what you stole. Jesus is saying, if they steal your coat, just give them, give them your, if they steal your shirt, give them your, or whatever. It's, it's tunics and cloaks, sorry. They, they steal the one, homie, you give them the wooly dooly. So, don't withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, don't ask them back. All right. Are you guys with me? All right. So these guys are picturing the Messiah. Now, I want to I read this scripture, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. I didn't put it up there for you, but he, it says this. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Gosh, you know what? Let's just go through this. This is his name. I'm going to say it. You guys repeat it, okay? And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Wonderful Mighty God. Eternal Father, Father. Prince of Peace. peace. That'll preach right there. Come on, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. I want you to just, right now, I want you to just put your hand on your heart. And I want you to just say, Prince of Peace, peace. reign in my heart. heart. I invite you now. now. Extend your kingdom. Thank you for your peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Jesus is actually showing up and doing this right now in that moment. And they're picturing this as a, as, a, as a bloody overthrow. And here Jesus shows up and goes, love your enemies. And they're like, <laughs> hold up. And, you know, they're turning to each other and they're like, I mean, you know, seriously, they're like, not the Christ. <laughs> I don't know how he, he's clearly doing these miracles by the power of the devil because have you heard the man talk? It's got to be the devil. This does not fit. His teaching is crazy sauce. This is, you know what I'm saying? They're looking at this and the math doesn't add up. They're going, we know the son of David will come and establish the government of peace. And this dude, and of his reign that will never end, and this guy's showing up and saying, love the Romans? Really? Love the Romans? Have you met the Romans? You know what I mean? So he's going, I mean, you guys realize too, the Romans, if you crossed the Romans at this time and they found out it was, it was you, they would kill 10 people in your family for one Roman that you killed. And that was, Rome was known for that. It was, a, it, was a, it was the first 10 to 1 ratio. I don't know. But it was bad. I mean, there was not, this was not a merciful group. This was an intense group of people. And Jesus is showing up and saying, love them and pray for them. Let me go on. Just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. 
And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. Now, again, think about the backdrop. Jesus, up until this time, the, the, the Torah is teaching these guys, the Old Testament is teaching these guys, come out and be separate. You, Jesus was in the scripture, I, I keep saying Jesus, I need, for, the, for the sake of clarity, I mean, Jesus did inspire the scripture by the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to stop saying it that way so I'll quit being confusing. The inspired word of God given to us by the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, there we go, that's clear, right? Has taught them at this point that being separated unto the Lord is so important that he doesn't even want you weaving clothes together. There was no nylon polyester blend going on. You didn't take wool and cotton and, and, and weave it together because God was trying to say, listen, you cannot have a mixture of righteousness and unrighteousness in you and still be pure. Now, what was he really talking about? They thought he was talking about national purity. And indeed, for a time, that was to be demonstrated through that, unless someone was adopted in and became a, truly a nationalistic Jew, they were to be rejected, okay? You couldn't have this mixture. But what was, what was that speaking of? It was speaking of the fact that you couldn't have a mixture of sin and righteousness inside of you. And now Christ is coming and he's saying, my kingdom He's getting to this point, but what is he saying? My kingdom is within you. You're going to see that later, but he's saying, look, you're looking for me to overthrow Rome, but I'm telling you the kingdom is within you. So then he goes on to say, what good is it if you love each other? Even, the, even sinners do that, and they're going, wait a minute, you're the one that told us not to love sinners. I mean, not you, they didn't know it was him, I'm sorry. The Bible tells, the Bible the Bible, yeah, let's go with the Bible. The Bible, the Torah is the Bible. With before the new revelation of Christ fulfilling this, the law and the prophets, they're going, but God has taught us our whole life to hate sinners. And, and you're telling us to love people that don't even love us. So Jesus just keeps raising the bar. And if you lend to those, starting at 34, and if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the unthankful and evil. <laughs> Let that sink in for a minute, what Jesus just said. Jesus in view of these guys and their understanding of what they've learned their whole life, this is the kind of thing that got Jesus killed. Because he's coming in and he's establishing a completely different kingdom than what they understood. And he's fulfilling the law, so he's going to have the right to say, your father loves the unthankful and the evil. Up until this point, everything they've learned is that you are to separate yourself from the unthankful and the evil, and that you are to see your literal kingdom overthrow the unthankful and the evil. And then Jesus shows up and says, you'll be great if you love your enemies, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil.
Do you see how revolutionary this is? And yet, and so at this moment, they're going, there's no way we can do this. I'm going to go on. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Again, he's told them, you're supposed to judge for yourself. Is this wicked or is this good? If it's wicked, get them out of your sight. If it's good, keep them. Jesus is going, judge not, lest you be judged. Condemn not, you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Jesus is telling these people, His kingdom operates on a higher law than the ones they've been following. The laws they've been following have all been pointing to him, and now he's here. And because he's here, there's the possibility of freedom. But this freedom is so powerful that it cannot be diminished by the choices that others make. See where I'm going with this. They're looking for an external breakthrough that will bring internal freedom. Let me bring this home for us all. They think that their circumstances and their surroundings are going to dictate whether or not they can truly be free. And Jesus is coming in and saying, unless there's an internal kingdom that shifts inside of you, no matter what happens in your external situation, you will never be free. You think the surrounding things in your life are what are keeping you from peace. We just read in Isaiah. What is his name? What did you just pray in your heart? That the Prince of Peace would come and extend his reign in you. Why? Because that's the way the kingdom works. It begins internally in us. It continues to stay powerful and potent It extends out of us. Jesus comes and says, now now you're going to catch this as we continue to open this up more and more and more, but Jesus is coming and saying, listen, Jerusalem is going to fall. The place of the temple is going to be destroyed. Why? Because this temple no longer will contain my presence. You are becoming my temples, and you will carry my presence. I do not desire to dwell in a temple built by hands. I do not desire to dwell in the externals. I desire to dwell in your internal. And therefore, because you are my temple, nothing external can ever shake the kingdom which is in you. He's fulfilling all of the law, all of the prophets, And he's establishing his kingdom in them. Now, I was just thinking about, imagine if we were there. Because I think some people, I mean, I think some people were getting it. I think they were going, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. You know, like David did. David got it. He's like, Lord, your your law, it comforts me. I'm thinking, how? (laughs) I mean, really, like, David, dude, like, how did you find this? You see what I'm saying? And I don't think he was the only one. I think there were other people that are like, Jesus? Oh, they, didn't need, they didn't know to say Jesus. I just really like him and say his name out of them. Okay. God, this doesn't make sense because you're saying this, but then you're, oh. No, 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 no. Wait. And when Jesus showed up, I think they were like, aha! I knew it. I knew it. I, you know what I mean? I really believe that's the case. I, I really do. And so Jesus comes in and goes, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Now, 
Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, I'm going to read through this really quickly, and I'm running out of time, so I'm going to land this plane, but I wish I had a half an hour more. I'm just telling you that. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove that speck that's in your eye, when you yourself don't see the plank that's in your own eye? Hypocrite! First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. I actually think Jesus is talking about being born again right here. Think about this. Salvation comes through the Jews. God shows his people. Okay, from the time that Adam and Eve are in the garden, okay, sin happens, God speaks to Eve. He says, listen, you're going to bruise the snake's head. I mean, you're going to crush his head. She's going to bruise your heel, et cetera. He's talking about what? The Christ, okay? Then it goes on. He, Abraham, there's the, there's the covenant with Abraham. It continues to go on. David, et cetera. Bathsheba. I mean, this beautiful picture, this promise of God. It continues to go on, and, it's, and God says, listen, your son is going to sit on my throne forever and ever and ever. Comes in. Now it's culminating. Christ has shown up. He's getting ready to take the throne. He's speaking to Jerusalem. He's speaking to Israel, and he's saying, listen, how can you say to the world Take that speck out of your eye when I'm telling you you have a plank in your own eye. I'm telling you that you're a wicked and perverse generation right now. Receive my kingdom, and then you will see clearly to share salvation with everyone else. Well, this message is the same for us today. Unless you're born again, what does he say to Nicodemus? Nicodemus comes to him in the night, right? He says, how must I be born again? Well, first he says, what are you, who are you? What are you doing? He says, I'm the son of God. He says, I'm bringing the kingdom. He says, Lord, where's the kingdom? Do you see this theme here? They're saying, when's the kingdom coming? When do we see these externals start to happen? Where, I can't see it. I'm looking. You've got 12 dudes. They're a bunch of goobers. Like, not one of these guys could lead. I mean, I'm really honestly looking around. It's like, this is your cabinet? Where's the kingdom? I've seen Rome. It's huge. You've healed a few people, but I haven't seen you call down fire. You know what I mean? It was a good question. And Jesus says, listen, you won't even see the kingdom unless you're born again. Do you see the connection here? All right. Now, let's talk about us. We still have a tendency... to believe that the externals around us are somehow affecting the kingdom within us. There's still, this is, this is where I want to take it home, okay? This is the part where I want to apply the beauty of this message. The kingdom has come. Jesus Christ is reigning on the throne. For those of you that are born again, you are a temple of the living God. You are carrying the Prince of Peace in you. And everywhere you go, you establish holiness and righteousness and peace. You bring heaven with you. It's not like a cute idea. You just show up. We, were, we, we went to the Saturday market, Owino and, and, uh, and Hannah and I, and we're just sitting there praying, you know, just quietly. Lord Jesus, just 
Let your presence come. This guy comes over, starts talking to Owino. And Owino says, hey, I'd really love to pray for you. He goes, I knew you guys were praying. <laughs> I knew it. What are you, like, intercessors or something? And he storms off. He didn't want God. But here's the deal. He knew he was there. You see what I'm saying? You're carrying the presence of God. People want to be near you. You're, you're there and they're like, ah. what's my point? My point is that the Prince of Peace reigns in your heart regardless of the external things in your life right now. This is where I want to end on a high note, but I, but I want to also bring a, I'm going to bring a corrective piece here because I, I want to challenge something that I think undermines us many times. It's that we fall back into believing that it's our job to sort of be the spiritual police for other people. I went to church today, but I really felt like something was just holding everybody back. There was just a heaviness on everyone. It was like, I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if Pastor Joshua was like, you know, being attacked by the devil, or I don't know if the worship team was just sort of like oppressed. And you're spiritualizing your own dysfunction. <laughs> because the Prince of Peace is fully capable of reigning inside of you right now. Even if Rome is going to overthrow Jerusalem, the Prince of Peace is in you. Some of us are going, I just, I read this article online. It's 115% true. <laughs> and I just, I found out that most of the food we eat is killing us. And I need to let the world know. And I am conflicted. And I'm heavy and I need to talk to people about it, and I haven't been able to sleep. <laughs> Do you think that Jesus feels the same way as you in that moment? I'm not saying that you shouldn't let people know if there's some bad mojo going on. You should. But the Prince of Peace is not threatened, and the kingdom of peace within you is not diminished by the external things that are going on around you. Are you with me? I'm just Jason's disciple today. Are you with me? And I, I, I really believe this. You know, one of my, one of my uh, guy that I really respect, Steve Backlund, he says this, many times what you believe about the problem is a bigger problem than the problem. A lot of us are in that place. Like, until 2016, I don't see revival coming. But if we have a political victory that will change everything, then all of a sudden, what? Nothing. Neither a Republican nor a Democratic president is going to change the kingdom of heaven within you. I think it's time for us to listen to Jesus' words and let the Prince of Peace extend internally and stop trying to teach everybody Here's my last one. <laughs> if everyone will come to Christ Center and they will just agree <laughs> for the presence to come, he will come and revival will break out.
Okay, so great, we do that. What happens when Mark Willem comes in and didn't know we were agreeing for that? Like, he was in the bathroom when we started agreeing, which is fine. But then, does he tip it? And then it's like, ah, come on. Right? We're agreeing, like, these external things have to happen in order for the kingdom to expand in us? I mean, I'm glad we're laughing because we need to, because we are ridiculous sometimes. And it is good to laugh. Laughing is healing. Like, I am such an idiot. Oh, Oh, Jesus. I do. I laugh at me more than you laugh at me, which is why I'm so okay with it. I've already, I'm practicing often, not because I'm an idiot, but because I think idiotic things sometimes. And my dad is like, son, that is the funniest, most stupidest thing that you have ever thought of. And I am so glad that you asked me before you preached it. So let's have a good laugh. And then I'm going to ask you to start reading the word more. You know, but we have that kind of relationship. Here's the good news. I am not holding up the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is holding me up. And the Prince of Peace is dwelling inside of me. So here's, here's what we're going to be talking about this week when you gather in, in, in groups. Is what is that angsty little external thing that if all you all would just stop doing that one thing that drives me crazy and start doing that thing that I'm pretty sure would make me happy, then the Prince of Peace would reign again in the kingdom. Okay, how many of you know that maybe that's not all y'all's problem? You see what I'm saying there? Like if I need all y'all, and I want you to extrapolate your all y'alls. For you, it's like if my job, if the people would just stop being so negative in my job, you know, right? Like as though the kingdom is somehow stopped because, because ungrateful, evil people are having a bad attitude. Well, of course they are. They're ungrateful and evil. But your God says he's kind to them. So is Jesus diminished because of that? And you're supposed to go home and lament Shabakamanana. I, I really honestly think maybe what we believe in that situation is a bigger problem than that situation. So, your angsty control issue thing. I know, now I'm calling it by name. Your external problem that needs to shift in order for you to start having peace is speaking to a plank in your own heart where Jesus needs to start reigning. And maybe it's just that he just needs to start reigning. I mean, you don't have to be like, well, I really hate, I can't even think of a good example. And so what does that say about me? Well, it might not say anything about you. It just might say like, hey, you're really a justice-motivated person, and you are going to be helping to end human trafficking. And, And you shouldn't be smiling and whistling when you think about it. It should make you angry. However, it should not change your entire life to where you can't be at peace until it's eradicated. Because some of you are going to be called to do things that are a lot bigger than your lifespan. Are you going to end well, or are you just going to be conflicted the whole time? Did, how many of you saw Amazing Grace? Remember that about ending slavery? You know, William Wilberforce was an incredible man, and I love it when his wife comes on the scene. You remember, he's just so conflicted. I'm going to end with this. He's so conflicted, and he's so passionate, and he's just like, there's a slavery to end, and, and he's like got people coming to his house, and he's doing everything that he can to just 
prove the kingdom of heaven. And he's nonstop and he's, his stomach is like rotting. You know, he's got ulcers because he's just so intense all the time. And ah, 24 Jesus. Ah! And, uh, and you know what? It's so beautiful because then wisdom comes. I don't remember what her name was, but she was beautiful and she shows up and she just brings peace. Just like, baby, whoa, let's run a good race. You know, I think I'm going to end on that, you know? I mean, let's just go completely non-religious here. I feel like Jesus wants to say to all of you, baby, whoa. <laughs> and he wants to bring peace. Let's stand up. Let's